Thank you, Janet Lee, and that was a true communion of the bread of fellowship. And I could just feel it in the spirit as you rippled out those chords and just moved over the keyboard with the melody. God bless you so much. And hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is an important time. This is an important time because the revelation today is an astounding revelation. And it is a message for this hour and for this very event. And I want you to listen with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And try not to be distracted and try to take this in. Now, <clears throat> I have to give a lot of scriptures because this is, you know, a daunting kind of subject that is full of, um, you know, miraculous thoughts and, f and full of spectacular uh, insights. And so, you know, it needs to have lots of scripture, and, and the scripture is the power of evidence. So if you will uh, just tune in, then you will not be disappointed in your spirit what God will have to say. This is part 19 of the Astounding Bible Revelations of the Universe, Sunday, October 28th, Sunday, October, oh, what am I saying? We're into November. I'm reading the old announcement here. But uh, it is an awesome, awesome, awesome opportunity on this uh, Sunday, November the 4th at uh, Mountain Time. Here we go. So we're talking about the Invisible Bible. And why would we ever want to talk about the Bible being invisible? Why would we want to use the term invisible. Well, God is an invisible God. And we should look at some of the scriptures uh, that, that uh, enunciate and fulfill the meaning of that. For instance, if we go to the book of Rome, a book of Romans, and we look at chapter 1 and verse 20, uh, here is what it says. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. There is a certain aspect that the Bible tells us uh, does not provide an excuse for a person not to know. Because although God is invisible, God has in his creation made uh, physical materializations uh, which uh, he shows us that there is a message in, in all of those uh, physical materializations. And even his son Jesus is the image of God. And and so we have to understand that when Jesus said, you know, uh, how can you see the Father? Well, you can see the Father by looking at me because I represent the Father. And Jesus says, you know, I don't do my bidding. I don't do what I want to do. I don't say what are my ideas. He says, I speak the will of the Father, and I seek the words from the Father. And what the Father tells me to do, that is what I do. But then we can look upon Christ in the physical, and we have a physical image. But we must not detract from the fact that there is the invisibility of God. There is the invisible word, the invisible message, uh, which is often described as spirit. And so we want to really get into this, and we want you to really... Uh, be in perception of, of, of this message. Uh, let's look at Colossians 1.15. It 
you know, Colossians 1.15, uh, this is what it says. Um, who is the image? It's speaking about Jesus Christ. Let's look at 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, as speaking of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. This is what I just quoted to you. The firstborn of every creature. Now that part about firstborn of every creature is very important. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are, on, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created um, by him for him. Now, further, let's look at uh, Timothy one seventeen, And in, in Timothy one uh, seventeen, this is what it says. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. There are people sometimes that do not know how to pray do not know how to reference, do not know how to fulfill the word of the Bible. For instance, Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you should pray. And how many people I've had say to me, well, how, how do we pray? Who do we pray to? You know, I pray to Jesus. Well, you know, Jesus is the image of God, and so he is a, is a, a, a mediator and, and a medium that, that could be used. But what did Jesus himself say? Jesus said, when you pray, pray after this manner. My Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we see that uh, there is a story here. There is an acknowledgement that people need to make, that people need to, to understand. Because when they fail to understand those things, they fail to comprehend the entirety of the, of the Bible. Now in Timothy uh, 1.17, Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible. The only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. If we do not acknowledge this invisible aspect, this invisible reality, then we are missing the world to come. We are missing the revelation. We are missing the re reality. And that is why Jesus taught and he said, I tell you the day will come that you people that are involved in kingdoms and kings, your know, mountain power, and there's one mountain here and there's one mountain over there. He said, and you're trying to choose between these kingdoms who to serve and who to be under. He said, I say to you, the day is coming that you'll be under neither of those kingdoms. They will not be related to the glory of God, to the plan of God. But I say to you that the day will come when they that must worship God will worship him in spirit and truth. Now this thing of spirit, this invisible spirit thing, is major of the doctrines of Jesus Christ and of the Bible. And if you leave it out, if you eradicate it by not mentioning it, by not incorporating it, then you are cheating yourself. You are depriving yourself and devoiding yourself 
of the rounded out uh, inspiration of the Bible and of God that needs be to be known in order to really get into the mystery and the revelation that God is teaching. And so, this thing of invisible is major. It's not minor. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 1. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, and let's say, uh, let's, uh, verse uh, 27. Okay, this, uh, this is what it teaches in, um, you know, I um, see, now that doesn't sound right. Um, Hebrews one twenty-seven. no, that's not right. There's, there's no 27 in, in this. But um, <clears throat> I went just a little bit too fast on that one, didn't I? But anyway, uh, what what we have to to understand is that uh, as God is revealing these truths, and as God is making us to understand this this mystery of the uh, of, of the story of invisibility, that uh, we cannot we cannot take it uh, lightheartedly. We have to we have to take it in the the spirit of truth. And if we don't take it in in the spirit of truth, then we end up missing out altogether on 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 what God's uh, plan is. And so I just want to to encourage you, folks, that this this message is an illumination of truth. It's an illumination of insight, and uh, you know it's it's uh, very important. And I think what we needed here actually was. Um, Hebrews 11 uh, and verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By the word of God. The, the, the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Things that do not appear are invisible. So we have to understand this revelation of things being, uh, you know, done by the Word of God. And if we miss out on that, we miss it big. Okay, let's go on. God is an invisible God. So it's not strange that he has written an invisible Bible. The material force used in creation represents mostly invisible being of atoms, lattices, and quantum parts. So when we when we begin to to look at that this very scripture that i just read about how that the world is framed by the word of god comes into a very healthy perspective the very small can be everywhere in everything but the but the very large it can't be so it you know if you had the power to become a wisp you would be able to see the small without uh needing to magnify anything and so this revelation becomes more and more important, uh, uh, and, and it shows us that uh, there is a state that people are in where they do need to come into that gift of magnification by the Spirit and, uh, and to, to enlarge uh, these things that are invisible, of which all creation is made, so that they can see the invisible word, because the invisible word is more powerful than the visible word. 
because the invisible word is the basis, uh, uh, you know, uh, of all things that were made by the Spirit or made by the invisibility of the power of God. And so they are the basis of everything that we see, the basis of everything that is materialized, the basis of everything that is made, made visible. And and when we just look upon the things made visible and we give them the expedience and the, the most importance and we just practically ignore the spirit revelation, the invisible God revelation, then we are leaving out the most important ordinances, the most important important facts, the most important revelation, because everything that we see is made of the invisible, and the invisible is is the Word of God uh, framing uh, the whole universe, and the Word of God, of course, is all part of what is being done by the invisible God, of whom Jesus Christ is the image of that invisible God. Okay, so what... What do we want to say about this? What, what, how do we want to, to ex- extend this? Well, uh, you know, there is, um, there are, there are times when God, uh, you know, does certain things uh, to glorify the invisible uh, Holy Spirit by manifesta- manifesting things through the Holy Ghost. Now, some people say, well. You mean Holy Spirit? No, I mean Holy Ghost. Because there is a difference between the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of people would find that very difficult to understand. But when we talk of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost, we are talking uh, of the same spiritual substance. But we are not talking of the same quantity of that substance. Now, the Holy Spirit is the energy uh, generally poured out, but not specifically put in to a representative, uh, 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 you know, um, measurement. But when we get into those representative measurements, for instance, when someone has been filled with the Holy Ghost, not just a little partial of the Holy Ghost, uh, you know, but filled with it, uh, then that is really the difference between a Holy Spirit function and a Holy Ghost function. When you are filled, uh, then uh, it is possible if your uh, vessel room was sufficient uh, that you can come into that place where the the Holy Ghost begins to be... uh, uh, picturized in various materializations, like when the Holy Ghost came down over Christ as a dove, and there was a physical appearance of a dove, or when in the, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit appeared as tongues of fire setting upon various individuals. And that, that was a, an, a, an appearance that was done by, by the Holy Ghost, uh, you know, of the Holy Spirit. So, um, that is very, very important to understand. The Shekinah glory, you know, is one of the other glories. It's one of the major glories in which, um, you know, this represents the presence of God. Uh, it it uh, is representing the presence of the invisible God, and yet you are seeing this glory, which is sort of like, uh, like 
a cloud, you know, this cloud glory. And, and, and so it is something that you can physically see with your eyes, and, uh, and, and therefore it's like a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, like the tongues of fire and like the dove. And, and, and uh, uh, Moses experienced uh, quite an, uh, an ordeal, as well as did some of the children of Israel, uh, as regards to the Shekinah of glory. And, and it was, uh, you know, uh, manifested uh, so that these glories uh, could, could be uh, seen physically uh, that represented invisible energy, visible energy of God. Now, <clears throat> when we understand that we need to mag magnify the the operations and episodes uh, of the spirit um we have to understand that 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 we have to take on uh you know our that by the holy spirit we have to take on invisible spiritual energy in order to in order to punctuate and accentuate the energy of the word that word that is not seen seen uh you know but but that is a signal of the word and and it has the power to become visible in an apparent type of uh, of depiction uh, and and a picturesque uh, revelation uh you know uh, being like a bouquet bouquet of natural things which the secret things of god as being hidden uh belong to that cathedral uh that is uh, uh covered in darkness but once that cathedral is 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 opened up in the vision of God, of which the Bible says, if you don't have a vision, you perish. Now, when it says vision, you perish, it's not talking about that you have a physical uh, retina uh, in two eyes and that you can see and you have that kind of a vision. It's talking about a spiritual vision and that there's a certain spiritual vision and spiritual understanding that if you don't have, that you will perish. And and so these things are absolutely essential for people to coming into you know to this uh, this deeper way of of uh, having a relationship with God and, and understand and and being able to read the what the manifest calls the manifoldus the 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 signs that are in nature uh, that are an architecture of the things of God that are in the spirit. So, so it, it, it is quite beautiful to, to understand that. Now, there is a, a, a teaching that Jesus did right at the beginning of his ministry even, which was so very important and is still very important again. And, uh, and, and, and he, he said to, you know, the, the, uh, the fellow whose name was Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, once we open this born again experience, uh, because unless you enter, uh, the elect angel knowledge of being born again from above, uh, you know, uh, you will not be able to really see the invisible word of God. And, um, and it is a golden root system, uh, you know, to the kingdom of God, uh, which is uh, written that Jesus as the root and offspring of a star that rose out of Jesse, the father of David, uh, came to earth to reveal. So those things are absolutely just plain exciting. And of, of that, you know, there is absolutely no doubt 
no doubt or question. Now, let's just let's get into some of this thing about being born again. Uh, you know, um, turn to, to the Gospel of John, and let's look at chapter 3. Gospel of John, chapter 3. And someone says, yeah, I know all about that born-again stuff. I'd like you to get into the deep stuff. Well, maybe you really don't know about the born-again stuff, but you think that you do. And and uh, Nicodemus, verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we know that the Bible tells us that within us, there is a kingdom of God. We know that in the Old Testament, it talks about the candle of the Lord within our being, searching out the mysteries and and searching out the kingdom of God. So we know that 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 there is the potential, as the Bible teaches teaches us, that out of us can flow rivers of living waters. And in the understanding of of what is it going to take to turn loose this oracle, to to cause these rivers of living waters to be able to exit through our being and flow out to the creation? What is it going to take? Well, Jesus said, what is going to take is you have to be born again. And, and unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So we have millions of people who believe they are born again, but who, who, according to the Bible, are not born again. For instance, if you look in the scripture at this word here, where um, it says um, in, in verse 3 of, of, uh, of the Gospel of John, chapter 3, except a man be born again. The word again, as described in the, the Greek uh, portion of, um, of the um, uh, Strong's uh, Dictionary of the Greek used in the New Testament, and that would be number 509, actually means from the first, from above. So again doesn't really mean again, like, like you know, people really think because because Nicodemus, you know, if uh, you, he, you would understand how confusing to him it would have been, and, and he would have been, you know, closer to sounding uh, intelligent on the subject. Uh, if it says, you must be born again. Well, I've been born once uh, as a human being, so you mean I have to be born as a human being again and, and go back into my mother's womb and, and come out again as a babe? And, and so you can understand where the again thing, when it's translated, that. But when it's translated from the real word that it is in the Greek, which can be found in the Strong's Concordance, Greek 509, then it says from the very first and from above. So when we get into the Bible's revelation of the church of the firstborn and the scripture I read to you earlier about Jesus being, you know, the firstborn of all uh, creation, what is that talking about? Uh, it is talking about uh, something very, very important, and it's talking about this revelation of above. So what does it mean of above? It means that you pre-exist at this earth and that you, in, in Job 38, uh, when it talks about how that uh, the morning stars and the sons of God uh, sung and shouted for joy, that, that you were there then. And in, and in the 21st verse of the 38th chapter of Job, especially reading all the different uh, uh, kinds of, of uh, translations, you will see that by far, by far that the average basically says, you know 
for you were born then. And so as we get into this thing about the born again, that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, it's talking about this born again from above. So how do we get born again from above? Well, we get born again from above by becoming an election of God. We call it the destinata. But an election of God is as is described uh, in the most fulfilling way, as uh, in First Timothy five twenty one. So uh, as we get into you know like First Timothy five twenty one, uh, you know we 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 find that to be a really uh, incredible revelation that just not everybody under, understands. So let me read that to you. 521 says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect, E-L-E-C-T, angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one another before doing, uh, before, I uh, see, without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. So, so the the emphatic uh, reference here is, you know, don't get into this thing of making one person uh, a hierarchy over another, of of uh, you know, getting into the worship of human flesh. But he said, you know, the revelation has got to come through Jesus Christ and the elect angels. Now. The elect angels are also the election. Someone says, well, you know, I was always taught that the election is, is Israel. Well, that is true in the sense that is that we're talking about the spiritual Israel, not in the sense that we're talking about the physical Israel. And and there is so much scripture for that, but, you know, that's not my teaching today. I'm not going to get into it, but other script, uh, teachings I've done pretty well incorporate that subject. But we're talking about spiritual Israel here, and that is the election, and that, that represents the elect angels. Well, what does that mean? Well, first, before I tell you what that means, let's talk about what it does, what being born again does not mean. Look look uh, to, the, um, to the book of... Um, of First John, and uh, let's just let's just get into a few things that John said, and and I believe this was written by the same John that wrote the the, the Gospels, and he was you know one of the he, he was a major disciple, and and um, and with other connections to Christ besides, and he was one of one chosen to go up to the Mount of of Transfiguration, so as we look here in the um, uh, the third chapter of John. And the ninth verse, here's 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 what it says. Um, <clears throat> the Lord is not slack. Concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay, so is repentance the same thing as being born again. Well, no, it is not. Repentance is more than just, is, uh, pardon me, being born again is more than just repentance. And so that's, that's what we, we really want you to get down and we really want you to understand. Now, to expand that just a little bit, um, you know, um, let's, oh, I was reading from Peter, beg your pardon. I got over into Peter and I was reading to you. So, um, uh, have, uh, have patience with me. <laughs> now let's get back over into John. John, um, again, John three, three, uh, three. 
Uh, here we go. Uh, and we are looking at... Um, okay. Here's what the Bible says. That, um, that a person uh, must be born again to see the kingdom of God. Wow. And, and um, uh, we especially see uh, that word manifested um, in, in scriptures like, uh, let's get into 1 John 5, verse 4. For whoever, whoso, whatsoever is born of God, and we're talking about born again, overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Uh, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, this is so, so, so very important to put this into perspective. Because being able to know who the Son of God is, being able to know that there is a Lord of hosts, being able to know that, that there is were three groups of angels that came to this this planet, the Ophanim, the Cherubim, the Seraphim, being able to know that the 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 Ophanim described in the first and and tenth chapter of Ezekiel as the wheel, which means Ophan, and also then when it says wheels means Ophanim, that that there was a Lord of the Host over them, who was Yahweh, who who came on to the earth in the flesh as Jesus Christ, and that you need to know this, because if you don't know this, then you can't answer the question in the book of Job 38. Where were you when the foundations of the earth were being made? Where were you when this creation of this earth was in process? You know because you were born then. You lived from above. You were born from above. You were among the firstborn. And uh, someone says, well, um, I never heard that before. Well, let's look at, at uh, 1 John 5, uh, 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself that the wicked one touches him not. Now, I want you to ask yourself, are you of the nature that you have overcome the world? Are you of the nature that you do not sin? Are those two things true with you? If they are, the Bible says you are born again. If they are not, then the Bible says you are not born again. Wow. So, let's look at chapter 3. Let's look at, um, at verse 9. This is one of them I was wanting to read to you. Chapter 3 of 1 John, verse 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Are you born of God? Do you commit sin? If you commit sin, you're not born of God. And wh why? Because for his seed remaineth in him, he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Now, it's talking about a particular place that a person reaches as an elect angel. And, and that you, have the, you, you, are in, you are 
in the elect angel, and those people are under the grace of being the election. And, and, and what is being the election? Being an elect angel is when a person has come into the, 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 the knowledge and the salvation of who they really are, where they came from, why they are here, and where they are going. And understanding that they lived before this world. They existed before this world. And that Bible is full of scriptures on that. And so you've got to know who you are. Otherwise, you know, the Bible is saying, if you're born again, you know, that you don't sin and you can't sin. That you've overcome the world. And how do you overcome the world? Well, you have to do this through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who Jesus Christ is. And by knowing who Jesus Christ is, knowing who you are in your relationship to Jesus Christ and who you were in your relationship to who Jesus Christ was before the foundations of the world. And this brings you into the revelations of, uh, into the revelation chapter 12 in which one third of the angels were cast out of heaven and fell to the earth and had to come here and take human bodies because of the folly of the angels. So, in order to regain your memory and regain by the Holy Spirit, which the Bible promises that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you and will restore your memory, you have to come into this, this thing about who you were, why you are here, and your relationship to Jesus Christ that existed before the foundations of the world, the church of the firstborn God which is in heaven. And so when it talks about you must be born again, it really is saying you must be born, you must be born from above. And if you're not born from above, if you don't come into this viewpoint, then you aren't going to be able to, be able to see the kingdom of God. And that's why there's millions and millions of people, billions of people, who have not seen the invisible Bible, who have not come into the truth of the invisible word. Because people are out there saying they're born again, but they're not born again. Now, what they really mean is that they have been converted into to Jesus Christ and accepted him as their personal Savior. And that is what they are. They are converted to Jesus Christ. But that still does not bring them into the knowledge of an elect angel. An elect angel is a person who is coming back into the restoration of the Ophanam angel status that they once were. Haven't entered into the full part of it, but they are elected for that. They have reached that status. And then it's only a matter of time, the Bible says, that, that eventually then the people through the resurrection will become equal with the angels, which means they will come back to the status that they had before the world was, that they lost in the fall down to earth, described in the 12th chapter of Revelations. And they will be restored into that knowledge and restored into that relationship. Yes, in the meanwhile, you can be, you can be converted. Someone says, well, am I saved? Well, I've preached this lots of times. Uh, you're saved by grace, but you're not saved with finality because Jesus said, he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. So, if you want to see the kingdom of God, 
you need to get into these manifest teachings that reveal the Ophanim story. That reveal who you were before this, this world was ever created. Job 38 and all kinds of other scriptures. In Ephesians, in Hebrews, throughout the Bible. It is so important. We can know these things because in Romans 1.20 it says the invisible things of this world are clearly seen and understood from the things which are made. One of the things that's made was Jesus Christ. He was the Word made flesh, and we'll get into that. And when we begin to understand that, what was it that Jesus said? Jesus said, I'm the Son of God. They said, they said kill this man. He's claiming to be a deity. He's claiming to be the Son of God. And Jesus said, well, is that out of line? The Bible says you are God's. And if the Bible says you are God's, what's wrong with saying you're a son of God? They didn't know what to do with that. That's what Jesus taught. You are God's. That was his teaching. And he said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So we've got to get on with this picture. We've got to get on with this revelation. And, and to be born of God from above is to have come into the understanding of the Ophanim revelation. And how that the, the tail of the dragon casts one-third of the stars. We'll be talking more about that a little later, Lord willing, in this message. We know in Luke seventeen twenty through 21 that the kingdom of God is within us. The Bible tells us that. We know that in the first chapter of the Gospel of John uh, that the, the Bible tells us something quite incredible and quite beautiful and we know that that uh, what it says is that that um, um, in verse 9 chapter 1 uh, he was Jesus was that true light which lighteth every man that comes into the world there is no human that comes into the world that is born into the world that does not already have that light of the kingdom of God within them and the kingdom of God is about what? About the kingdom. The kingdom of the Ophanim. The kingdom of, of, of which he is called the Lord of hosts. And without the knowledge of that, you can't see the invisible word. You can't see the kingdom of God. You can't see the invisible God is wanting people to come into this knowledge so that they can be born again from above and begin to be able to understand these teachings and understand this word of God. Otherwise, you can hear it. You can listen to it out there. But it won't settle into your brain. It won't settle into your mind. It won't settle into your spirit. Praise be the name of God. There isn't anything more important than to find out about this kingdom of God. And in John 3, 3, it says, uh, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And in John, John, 1 John 6, 33, it says, seek you first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all the other things will be added. Wow. And are these things to be written? There's the Holy Manifest. There's the Bible, the books of the Bible. There's all kinds of books even been lost. Yes. 
The Bible says in John, the last uh, verse uh, uh, of, of the Gospel of John, it says, if all of the things were written that should be written, I suppose that not even the world itself could contain it. Wow. That is just absolutely incredible. And how many people out there are willing to receive that? A lot of churches are not. A lot of preachers are not. You know? And it's a fact. And just, just so you have it and you know it, that's in the 21st chapter and the 25th verse of the book of the Gospel of John. And I'll read it to you. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which they should be written. What other things did he do? Well, the things that he did when he was with the Father before he came to the earth. The things which he did as the Lord of hosts. The things which he did in his connection with the Ophanim angels, the wheels. The things which he did in the creation as described in Job 38. When the sons of God shouted for joy. The morning stars. One third of the stars fell. What kind of stars was it talking about? Asterisms? No. It's talking about Job 38, the stars. And what did the apostle pray? He prayed that the day star would arise in our hearts. That day star is that knowledge of the kingdom within, of which the Bible says, until you are born again from above, you cannot come into that kingdom because you cannot see it. Wow. Utterly incredible. Okay. We've got to move on, though. There's an awful lot to get into. So the Bible tells us, you know, that in Revelations 1.11, God spoke to John and said, what you see right in the book, or right in a book. And in Revelations 5.7, there was this book with seven seals. He said, go and take that book out of the right hand of the angel holding it. Go and get it. God is speaking to you today. This word is being made available. And God is saying, go and get that book. There's a, there's a pro prophet ministry here. Sons of the prophet ministry. There is a manifester ministry. And God is saying, listen to these things and go and get that book. Don't worry about the seven seals. Don't worry about that there's only a revelation on the outside of the book. And the main revelation of the spiritual things of God is on the inside. you got a 30-fold revelation on the outside, the front and the back. But on the inside, you got 60 and 100-fold revelation. But don't worry about that. Just go after that book and get it and take it and hold it. Hang on to it. Don't let anybody take it away from you. Don't let any lie or deception cheat you of it. Don't let anybody else that wants to damn it and put it into some corruptible uh, aspect. Don't be cheated of this truth. Go and get that book. Put that into your heart and hang on to it. Blessed be the name of God. And Jesus talked in Matthew 13, 13 through 16 about the people that have eyes to, to see, but they cannot see. Ears to hear, but they cannot hear. And in Romans eleven seven through 8, it talks about the spirit of slumber and blindness that had come upon the people. 
But in Isaiah 25, 60, uh, 6 through 8, it talks about that there's going to be a destruction of the veil, the same veil that, that has not been removed, that was over the face of Moses, that kept people from seeing the, 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 the Shekinah glory that was shining from the face of Moses, that told the story uh, of, of, of the Ophanims, that told the story of Jesus Christ as he appeared, uh, as the Bible describes it, uh, I believe it's the 68th chapter of Psalms, uh, with 20,000 chariots of fire, <coughs> which are the angels of God. And, and there's and they're, they're spacecraft. Are there things that you don't know about Jesus Christ? It's written about Jesus Christ? Absolutely. But you can read over those and not get the story. You can read over those and not get the truth. You can read over those and not be filled with the, 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 the understanding because it's in an invisible code. And there's a veil there, which Paul said, he called it looking through the glass darkly, only being able to understand uh, the word in part. Let's go back to the book of John, first chapter. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, what kind of a word do you think that was? Do you think that that was a book? Do you think that God was a book so that you could see him and feel him and touch him and handle him? When it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Was that Word a book? Were there pages in it so that you look at that book and say, this is God? I don't think that's what it's saying. I don't think you think that either if you're thinking straight. The same was in the beginning with God. Aha! So there's God and then there is the word that is with him. So there is two separate entity aspects proclaimed. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Wow. Wow. And what about Jesus? Well, what does it say about him? Well, it says something very important. And we're going to read it. Verse 14, chapter 1, 14, St. John. And the Word, capital W-O-R-D, was made flesh. So the Word was something before it was flesh, before it was the body of Jesus Christ. It was something else. But the Word had the power, although being invisible, to make something that was physical and visible. And the word may, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Wow. That's, that's such beautiful stuff. That is just such beautiful stuff. I never get tired of looking at it. I never get tired of reading it. Let's look at Job 28. Job 28. Because here's a really powerful verse. It's about what we're talking about. Job 28. Blessed be the name of God. Okay. So, Job 28, verse 20 through 21. This is what it says. Whence then cometh wisdom? 
And where is the place of understanding? Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living. Seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living. And kept close from the fowls of the air. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? What it says? I mean, that is just so absolutely incredible. All living cannot see it. It's hid from them. So when we're talking about the Word, we're talking about the invisible Bible. Are we talking about something stupid? Absolutely not. We're talking the Bible. We're talking Scripture. We're talking, you know, deep revelation. So very, very important. And so, so much that God wants his people to know. Let's look at Colossians 1, 12 through 16. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us an inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. You have to get translated. That's tied into the trans. Figuration. You have to get up on that mountain and hear and see the glory of God in the transfigured state. You can walk the plains down on earth and see Jesus as he healed the sick and as he, he uh, broke the, the bread and the, and the fishes and multiplied them. But if you want to see the invisible word, if you want to see this, the spirit, you want to see the kingdom of God within, then you're going to have to have something happen, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to deliver you from the power of darkness and going to translate you into the kingdom of his dear son, which is within you, where the rivers of living water can flow out of your innermost being once you can trigger that truth to happen. Wow. In whom we have redemption, verse 14, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Firstborn. They we're talking about that. Born from above. And he's the head of that whole thing. That's what it means by firstborn. Wow. Of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities of powers, all things were created by him for him. It's just beautiful. And there's one other thing I want to read, if you'll turn with me and have patience. Turn, turn to the book of Psalms 104. Psalms 104. This is the spirit-to-spirit revelation that is so beautiful and so important. This thing of getting into the spirit so that you can see the word of God. Okay, here's what, here's, here's what it says. 104 verse 30. Thou sendest forth thy spirit. They are created. Thou renewest the face of the earth. You have to understand that the things that are going to happen is going to happen from an invisible source. The spirit is invisible. And all these things that are causing renewal and all these things that are causing spiritual uh, energizing are all invisible and they're from God. 
and and it and it doesn't change the scenario going back all the way uh, to the to the uh, Genesis to the beginning of creation, when the Bible says, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And that's chapter 1, verse 1, verse 2, and the, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And that particular kind of light was a spiritual light. The sun and the moon hadn't been created for some time yet. The whole Bible incorporates this truth. You want to get into the spirit revelation of the invisible, the whole Bible incorporates it. It's not something that you can put aside or throw away. We talked last week about magnifying the Lord. Psalms ninety, uh, Psalms thirty-four, three. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. That's what's being being broadcast to you today. Job thirty-six twenty-four through three. Magnify His His work. That's the message today. That's the message of the hour. Isaiah 42, 21, magnify the law. Make it honorable. It's not honorable the way that it is. It's got to be made honorable. You're reading it and you think you really have something there, but, you're, but it's got the curse in it. It's all about the punishments. It's all about the curses on people. But when you magnify the law, you start bringing in the, the the other part, the opposite part, instead of the curses, you bring in the love of God. And Jesus came to fulfill the law, which means that the law was not finished. You were only being able to see part of it. You couldn't see the whole law. You only could see part of it because there was a veil of darkness over it. And so Paul says, you look through the glass, you only see part of it. You, you know in part, you see in part, but... That which is perfect has not come because when it does come, it's going to do away with all that which is in part. And Jesus said he, he will fulfill the law and he didn't come to destroy it. We're, we're not talking about destroying what the Bible says. We're talking about making sense out of it. Because when you only have part of the story, you really can't make a, the fulfillment of sense. And that's why there's so many different interpretations, so ma many different translations, so many different opinions, so many different, uh, you know, versatilities uh, of trying to exclaim this word. Because it's not, it's not in the honorable uh, revelation. It's not in the fulfillment of the revelation. And Jesus said, I come to fulfill the law. <clears throat> wow. Wow. These things are so absolutely important. They, they, they must not be looked over. They must not be slighted. Because to do so is to rob yourself of, of the very virtue of the soul. To rob yourself of the very virtue of the soul. And it is so very, very, very serious. Let's look real fast at Ezekiel 38, 19 to 23. Ezekiel 38, 19 through 23. Here's what it says. For in my jealousy and in, my, and in the fire of my wrath... Have I spoken? Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. 
so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and the creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground and I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains as saith the, the, the Lord of uh, uh, saith the Lord God and every man's sword shall be against his brother. Let's go on. And I will plead against him with the pestilence, with the blood, with the rain upon him and, and, and upon his bands and upon the many people that are, that are with him, uh, an overflowing rain, great hailstone and fire. And I will magnify myself, sanctify myself, and will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. One of these days, all this turmoil, all this destruction, all this famine, all this earthquake, all these tsunamis, all these extreme weather conditions and threats of extinction of life are going to be revealed for the, for the real reason why they come upon the people. That part of the reason, at least, is that the people are living under the curse of the law. Oh no, I'm in the New Testament. Being in the New Testament doesn't get you get you free. Because unless you understand the real word of Christ, which the Bible says he he preached that real word, but the, the people could not comprehend it. Then you have no guarantee that you've really got what's going to set you free. Wow. So we're beginning to see that there is so much, that there is so absolutely much that's intended to be covered. You know, let's look at, um, at Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and shall bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord... God shall give him uh, unto the throne of his father David, and she sh he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom shall be no end. Then Mary said, How can this be, seeing I know not a man? And the, and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore the holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God." Verse 37, for with God nothing is impossible. We start talking about the mother of Jesus. We start talking about the birth of Jesus. We have to understand there was one part which was the Mary part. She was 50% Donner. But we have to understand that the other part, whatever the ultimate revelation of that is, and there's different aspects of that, it did not happen by a physical materialization of being initiated. It was initiated by the invisible Holy Ghost. And so the very fact that we have Jesus Christ, our Savior, the image of the Father in heaven, is a, the, a result of an, invis, an invisible act that was manifested to a young virgin 
because she said, how can, how can I, 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 I don't know any man, how can I get pregnant and have a child? And then she received this incredible revelation. It's going to happen by the Holy Ghost. It's going to be a Holy Ghost thing. It's going to be an invisible thing. No one's going to look and see you with a, with a man that's made you pregnant. No one's going to be able to see some physical entity that's involved with you getting you pregnant because that's not the way God's going to do it. There's that mountain over there. There's the other mountain on the other side. But the day is right here, right now for you, Mary, that you're not going to worship in either one of those mountains, but you're going to worship God in the Spirit and in truth of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is going to do this. Part of the problems with this, the, the spiritual world today, including the church world, is they're not enough into the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is what is that part of the invisible God that, that goes out beyond the first domain. And, and, and is throughout all of the whole aspect of creation. It's the circuit that goes out, the line that goes out, the soundtron that goes out. Reaches to the highest star, reaches to the lowest hell. You want to know about everything, you're not going to find it by getting into physi physiology. You're not going to find it about getting into just manifestation of physical things. You're going to find it by getting into the invisible God, the revelation of the visible God. And Jesus says, although you have not seen the Father except as you see him, uh, him represented by me in the physical flesh, because the Word was made flesh, and the Word in the beginning was with God, and the Word was God, so since I was made by the Word, that's how you are seeing God, the Father. So if you want to really get into seeing things, you've got to go back. So Jesus says, I don't do my own will. I don't do my own thing. I do the will of my Father which is in heaven. If he tells me to do something, that is what I do, not what I want to do, not what my will is. After this manner you shall pray, My Father which art in heaven, my, my Father. Why is he your Father? Because you're among the church of the firstborn. You were born from above. And you've got to be born from above again. You've got to return to that angelship from which you fell when one-third of the stars were cast down to earth and had to take physical bodies. And in the land of, the, of, of lost memories, when they got into that body, they could not remember who they were. And this whole story has to be, has, has to be revitalized by, by the ministering of this word. And until you come into that born-again uh, knowledge of becoming an elect angel, a destinata, who knows who you are and who knows where you came from, then this whole thing of being able to see through a glass darkly is not even open. This whole power of being able to make the, the, the law that is dishonorable, honorable. This whole thing of being able to fulfill the law. It, none of those things can, can actually happen. Jesus came to fulfill that, but he didn't get to finish his word because the darkness could not comprehend it. And the Bible is very clear about that. Wow. Let's just look at some more things. We know that at one time all the nations were one language and then because of sin the angels came down 
and they took away that revelation. We know that um, that there are so many other things that are necessary to be revealed. But let's look at at Romans eleven seven. What then? Israel has not obtained that which it seeketh for, but the election has obtained it. Holy. Did you get that? Did you get that, ladies and gentlemen? Someone said, I think that the, that the election is just the, the nation of, of Israel. Now, that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says here, Israel has not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, making the election and Israel two different entities of revelation. And what else does it say? The election has obtained it. What does it say? And the rest were blinded. <laughs> the rest of the people were blind. It's only the election that is able to see this incredible revelation. If, if you don't come into the, to become an elect angel, then you're not being born from above. You're just being born again, uh, and you're really not, meaning it in the sense of what being born from above means. You're only meaning it in the sense of being converted and accepting Jesus Christ as your, as your personal Savior, which is a good thing and a beautiful thing. But that still does not take you beyond. Not all of the, not all of the disciples were, were, were invited to go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. There was only three. Thirty-fold, sixty-fold, hundred-fold portion of them. Wow. Wow. These things are so crucial right now. They're so very, very crucial. So important. Okay, let's go on. Let's look at Psalms 138. Psalms 138. This is about magnify the Lord. We'll be through this in a little bit. We'll be in a pretty interesting part here in a little bit. Got to really hustle though. 138. Verse 12. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the light. The darkness and the light are both alike unto thee. When you get into the scene by the Holy Spirit, you come into the fulfillment of the, in, described in the book of, of Revelation, in which it says time will be no more, in which it says that there is no more darkness, that, that it's always light there in that city of the tabernacle of truth. You come to a place in God where, where that darkness of, 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 of the glass darkly doesn't exist anymore. You come to that place where all of the foreboding, dreadful, downcast, dishonorable things no longer have a glue, no longer have a concrete, but the Holy Spirit makes it so that you can see in all directions you're part of that 
beast with the all-seeing eye and eyes all around about your body, in front and in back on the sides. And you can see through the light and you can see through the darkness. It's all part of the promise of God. Let's look at 138 again, verse 1 and 2. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods. I will sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for that thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. What? How can the word be magnified above his name? Above all the aspects of his name. What? What is going on here? David, what are you talking about? He understood something. He's the one that received by the Spirit to make this, this holy place of worship, this holy tabernacle, and, and, and had the revelation of the, the cherubims on the curtains. Come on, people. The Holy Spirit can reveal the things of darkness. And how can there be something like this? I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name. Chapter 138 of Psalms, verse 2. And praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word, thy word, above all thy, my name. Absolutely. The Bible says in John, chapter 1, verse 9, I believe it is, the word was made flesh. The word was made flesh. Now, then before the Word was made flesh, the Word existed. Before the Word was made flesh, the Word existed. Where did it exist? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who, what God? The invisible God. So there's the revelation of the invisible God, which is above the Lord God, Jesus, who was made flesh. So above that state of the flesh, of the Word being made flesh, the Lord Jesus, there was the Word before it was made flesh. That was the Word that was with God, the invisible God. And God was that Word. And so he says, I'm going to magnify, you're magnifying this Word above all thy name. Above the name Jesus Christ, because Jesus means salvation. Christ means the anointed one. Once you get back up into the heavenlies, once you get before the earth was made, when the morning stars and sons of God shouted for joy, you get back before the fall, back before the stars fell. You get back into that invisible God presence. Not even Shekinah glorious beyond that. You get into being able to see the invisible. And above all thy name, all the names that have to do with the work of Christ on earth. It's above that, because it was before that. Because instead of the word again, it actually means, you know, it means before. It means above. Wow. I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that scripture, I hope you devoured that. I hope you ate that. That's the Word of God saying this. 
Philippians 1, 20-25 says, Christ must be magnified in my body. You might think that you have the revelation of Jesus Christ, but you're not going to have it until Christ is magnified in your body. Unless this invisible Bible is able to be seen, Christ can't be magnified in your body. This magnification is going to go even be above the body, as I just read to you in, in the book of Psalms. Wow. Wow. The Bible talks about spirit-to-spirit revelation. And we, we've talked about that. And you can check that out for yourself in 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. Or 2 Peter 1, 16 through 19. We've got to move on. We have so much to cover. The Holy Manifest. Revelation. Wow. I talked to you last week about the double image of the Word of God as revealed in Genesis 32, 1 through 2. And I talked about the word Mahanaim, which represent two camps of angels, or as we could call it, a double image. And as it is spoken in connection to the experience that Jacob had, it was a revelation about the God of Bethel. You remember that place where he saw the angels ascending and descending and said, God was in this place and I didn't know it. Why didn't he know it? Because he didn't have an experience with the invisible God. God was dealing with him, though, from an invisible standpoint. He was dealing with him about the God of Bethel. So when people talk about, well, I go to the Bethel church, well, good for you, and, and God bless that church. God bless the use of that name. But you have to understand that what the God of Bethel is, is the Father's house. That's the Father's house. Now you can read about that story. I don't have time to turn to it today. But you can read about that story, about the Mahanaim in Genesis 32, 1 through 2, and about this Bethel experience in Genesis 28, verse 12, verse 16, verse 17, where the angels are ascending and descending. Last week I talked about how that there is a difference between the lesser image and, and the greater image as would be referred to the angels ascending and descending and that those things can sort of trade off depending on the circumstances. I talked about the reconciliation uh, through information uh, of receiving this deeper word of God, being able to reposition the emphasis so that the shadows and the frame, line, frame lines of the lesser image would not be able to overshadow the greater image and would allow the greater image to appear. Nevertheless, we are talking a double image of the Word of God so that there is a lesser image and there is a, a greater image. And we see that as Jesus taught in, the, in, the, in his word about the revelation of the seed having a 30-fold expectation, a 60-fold expectation, and a 100-fold expectation, all being written about the different levels 
of the knowledge of God, the revelation of God. We talked about the thirtyfold being part of that that external part of the of the little book that was sealed with that was sealed with the seven seals, and how that the little little book could be read on the outside, the front side and the back side, but could not be read on the inside, which we called the inner centrum. I N N E R hyphen C E N T R U M inner centrum of the book which being a consistency of part one and part two are collectively one inner centrum of the invisible book, which may also be called the invisible Bible. This is true even though the said 30-fold is absent of, of lost books, lost words, mistranslated texts. So whatever parts of the 30 Fold book is lost or mistranslated. It's preserved whole in the preamble of the inner centrum of the invisible book, or as it may be said, the invisible Bible. Now, you're on this journey, and the Holy Manifest says, what you see is not what is, what you see is what is not. Paul said, calling those things that are not as though they are. We're beginning to see that there's an incredible way of looking at things when you have the light that shines from above. We know that the tablets, the, 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 the stones upon which the, the ten words of God or the ten commandments, as they call them, which were written by the finger of God. And we, we, we talked about that last time. We talked about, you know, that, um, that when the people sinned and the first group of stones, the first two stones were broken. That then, in what had happened was that the the blessings had be, had come forth on those written by the finger of God. But then, when they had to write anew, the same words were written, but the blessings receded, and the curses came forth. So, although there, everything was the same. As far as the content, it was not the same as far as the positioning. So that the position of the curse came up, for, uh, up front instead of being the blessings that came up front. And, the, and, and the, 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 the blessings became invisible, hidden under the veil, and could not be seen. Wow. And the Bible says... That the law of the Bible can the, it kills, and you can read that in Second Corinthians three six, which I gave you last week. So, if you want to really get into the manifold blessings of God, and and you want to really see uh, about you know there being a truth of the of the lost memories, which it, it which it speaks of in Psalms eighty eight twelve, then you can also come into the to to this understanding of John uh, four. 4, 5, and 26. <coughs> John chapter 4, verse 4, 5, and 26. And, and in connection with this thing I was talking about, the God of Bethel, the Father's house, we have a story there. And let me just turn to, uh, to it real fast. 
John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said in verse 5, I, we don't know whether you're going. We, what are you talking about? I'm paraphrasing. How can we know the way? Jesus says, I am the way. You, ha- you have to really know Jesus. You have to really know who he is, who he was before the foundations of the world. You have to know the Lord of hosts revelation. You have to know the revelation of the fallen stars, the revelation of Job 38, before the foundations of the world, when the sons of God and, and, and the morning stars sang together for joy. You have to understand that. If you want to really see the invisible Bible, you, got to, you need an experience of being born from above, becoming an elect angel. Then that, that word that kills won't be able to kill because you'll be seeing the other word that, that causes you to live. Praise the name of God. God is opening up a new road map. God is helping you see beyond the glass darkly as described in Hebrews 11 13 through 14 and 1 Corinthians 13, 12. There are mental jams of the thought waves of reasoning out there. And they've got to be abridged by accepting that these mental jams are a part of the whole process of discovering the original expressed thoughts of God, whose thoughts are higher than mortals, whose ways no mortal will find to be comparable to mortal uh, mortal reasoning. You have to first understand that part which is the lesser that belongs to the human function and the human mentality. Because if you don't even understand that, then how can you understand the differentiation, which is the higher part that belongs to the Holy uh, Spirit, the Holy Ghost, opening up those dark, uh, hidden things that could never be seen. The scripture says that things which are seen are made of things that do not appear. Hebrews 11.3, I read that to you before. So in other words, things that are seen in the physical world are made of invisible energy. So then existence of the things seen is only a part of the reality. Things not seen, which generate the things seen, are, of another, are another part of the reality, and no doubt the greatest part. Once again, check that out in Hebrews 11.3. The little book, or as I call it, the book of little things, is no doubt a part of that part which is a part of the Bible. The first part of the little book contains the Alpha Revelation, and the second part of the Bible contains the Omega Revelation. Now, there's so much to the Omega Revelation. Uh, I'm obviously not going to get done with this invisible Bible subject, but that's okay. We'll just keep going at it. But like, for instance, in this Omega Revelation, there are things that, you know, that people don't understand. For instance, the dead, the dead that die and the baptism of the dead and understanding the thing about the dead are part of the Omega Revelation. A lot of people can't see that, can't understand that. Some people do, through mercy of God. But I have a a grandmother who died about, or passed on, about 38 years ago. If I live another 100 years, if I live another 100 years, my grandmother and I will have still died on the same day. Now, let's get this straight. My grandmother passed on 38 years ago. 
If I live another 100 years, which would make me 174 years old, I would still have passed on the same day that she did. Why? Because in the accounting of God, one day is equal to a thousand years earth time. Now, I don't have the time to go into the math of it today to show you how that divides out when you start taking that ratio of one divine day, one real day, one yom of God being equal to a thousand, not days, but earth years. And if you consider 365 days in every one of those earth years, and then that times a thousand, Look at the numeration there of that that figure of each year representing 365 days and there being a thousand of them. Multiply that to get the number of days compared to, to one day. That many days. Do you realize that the Roman Empire, they say, was spread over a thousand years? A thousand years. All of those great, powerful leaders that they had and generals that they had, all of those wars that they fought, all of the, the events that was involved for a thousand years of the Roman Empire of earth time is only equivalent to one day of God's accounting. So a thousand years of the Roman Empire in the kingdom of God world when you're reading the invisible Bible. And as Peter was giving us a little insight of it, having been to the Mount of God. <laughs> and Moses also had that revelation, having been to the Mount of God. Is equal to a thousand years of, of earth time. Now, in Isaiah 65, very, very interesting thing. Some people say to me, well, what are, what are we going to look like? Uh, how, how's it going to work out when we, we enter the other side? If we had a broke, broken hip or we were really old and wrinkled, when we are resurrected to the other side, are we going to still look old and wrinkled? No. No, no, you're going to come back in prime. That's what the Bible teaches. You're going to come back prime. And, and, and that's only going to last for a period of time. The Bible talks about the, res, the, spirit of the, the, the spiritual residue. That there's going to be a residue of this aspect of your life that you have lived on earth. And, and that's going to come back on you. And if you've lived more than one life, then when you appear before any of those people that had reference to that, when you see them, your, your, your body will take on, on the reference of that uh, uh, appearance and it's prime. When you see the other people in a, in from another life, it'll take on the reference of those people in that prime. And each will see you that way. Someone said, well, that's not Bible. Of course it is. Absolutely. Now let's just look here in the book of 
of, of Isaiah 65. It says in verse 20, the 65 says, There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not felt his days. When, when that day comes, there's not going to be any babies up there. All babies are already going to have, have developed into, into a prime maturity. And when you see them, you will recognize them as being that baby, as being that person. You'll recognize each person, although they appear in their prime, because the Bible says, for then you shall be known as you were known. God is going to make it so you'll know people as you were known. And that's going to happen for that residue period of time because a thousand years is only one day. So if this goes on for a week or two weeks or a few months, it's, you're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of years that it's covering. And so what's going to happen to the baby? It says, for the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. So this 100 is representing 100% of the prime. And, 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 and to the one, it's going to be a blessing. To the other, it's going to be a curse. Because when the final resurrection has taken place through the, through the judgments of the seven spirits of God, then those people are going to be separated that, that, that were not accepted into, into the full resurrection. Now that's a mega revelation. You have to you have to see into the invisible Bible sometimes to really see that application. Wow. So when we start getting into this revelation of the truth of reality as generated from the other part of reality, that is the greatest part then we sort of get into things like the little book, the book of little things, which is no doubt part of the part, which is a part of the, of the, the invisible Bible. The first part of the little book contains the Alpha Revelation. The second part of the book contains the Omega Revelation. So the two parts of, of the book contain the, the 60 hundredfold called the Holy Manifest, which is the invisible Bible made, made visible. The revelation of, the, of one-third is a figure of not slight importance. If you take the number one-third out of the book of Revelations, you render the remaining message of the book of Revelation into handicapped proportions. Revelations 4, 7, the third beast, like a man. Third, you have a revelation of the beast and the man and the connection. Revelation 6, 5, you know, talks about the... The seal, the, the pair of balances, the black horse, that's the third seal. That revelation really gives you a deep understanding of some, if I had the time to teach on that, it'd be incredible. Revelations 8, 7 through 12, one-third destruction. Revelations 11, 14, 15, one-third woe. But then when you get into all these revelations, and this is really important, about how that in Revelations 12, 4, one, one third of the stars fall, which is the same number that represented in the, in the uh, tale of the dragon casting stars to earth. Revelations 14, 9, the third angel reveals a warning about 
about the 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 beast and the mark of the beast. The uh, Revelation six. Uh, six four, and that all the mark of the beast and his image, of course. In Revelation sixteen four, the third angel pours out his vial of blood upon upon the river. Revelation twenty one nineteen, the third foundation, the stone Chalcedony. So as we get into the, all this thing about the one third, and people say, well, the, this is talking about all these different destructions. <laughs> you, you know, you, the invisible Bible will, will reveal it to you differently. You begin to see that that these images that are de- being depicted as the one-third of this of the sea die, one-third of the things on the earth die, one-third, one-third, one-third. Don't you find that a little bit unusual and strange? Of course you do. So what are we talking about? Well, when we start getting into this revelation of these one-thirds, all that is doing is showing on the negative side under the curses, which is the dishonorable law, how that, that the elements are affected in a negative way because of the fall of the angels. The Bible talks in Genesis about the ground being cursed for, our, for, for, for Adam's sake. And so all those curses are shown, but it all ties into the fall of the one-third. And so if you miss that revelation, you're not seeing the invisible word of God. You're seeing something that belongs to the dishonorable part, the 30-fold revelation of the law, which is dishonorable, which is full of darkness, and which does not have a fulfillment of which Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. It, it, oh, it needs to be fulfilled. And so you begin to miss that incredible, awesome revelation. And it is so sad. It is so sad when people don't really come into the knowledge of the understanding of these revelations. So we want to continue next week talking about the first openings of the book of Revelation uh, and the book of the, of the seal. And uh, we want to get into the whole message of the uh, in a certain aspect kind of way of the seven thunders made available to the school of the prophets, including a promise that the spirit of John the Revelator would return again to minister this word. Revelations 10.7 and Revelations 22.10. We want to get inside this book and be able to read its content, which is quite a different story than what the world knows because it's invisible Bible revelation. It's going to shape the world. It's going to raise a banner over the heads of those who have been eating darkness and living in darkness. It's going to allow people to break out through these seven codes, seven seals, and raise up with a super mind of genius. Because the interior of this book was written in a spiritual invisible language again Romans 10 1 through 11 the message on the front and back as I said was it a perfect model for the inside of the book absolutely not the outside of the book is about the curse the wars the tortures the plagues the suffering the one third this the one third that the one third that 
and the rejection by the people masses of the Holy Word and the miracles of God. The few who were faithful were often victims of persecution and punishment, who lived surrounded by the curse of savagery and idol worship and greed. But now God is bringing forth a people to be able to see through this glass that was darkly, to see the invisible Bible and reveal the Prince of Darkness. Dear people, I hope you have grasped this message. We will continue it next week. May God bless you and keep you. And may the spirit of healing reach out across this broadcast and heal you today. In Jesus' name, God bless. Amen.